Welcome to the Retail Tea Break. Each week, I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers, and product creators to decode the myths, share knowledge, and give you a better insight into the industry. My aim, as always, is to empower retailers and product creators to reach their potential. So, grab your cup of tea, sit back, relax, and listen in. My name is Melissa Moore, and this is the Retail Tea Break. Today, I am joined by a guy who's founder of an Irish online destination store for sustainable living. This is a man whose experience within the marketing and e-commerce sector seems absolutely perfect for running an online store. So James Byrne from Fairly, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for being on the Retail Tea Break today. Thanks so much, Melissa. Delighted to be here with you. This is, for me, going to be a fascinating conversation to dig in, I suppose, into your background, what brought you to the brand now and where this brand is going, because to me, it's definitely one to watch for the future. So before we kick off in the time it takes to boil a kettle, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Okay, well, my name is James and our store that I set up with my husband, Owen, is called Fairly. So I guess my own background, I grew up in a retail family. So um, growing up, my my parents had a, a bookshop and toy store down in, in Enniscorthy in Wexford. So growing up, you know, at, when I was very small, after school was spent doing my homework behind the counter. And as I got older, after school was spent working in the shops and summers and everything else. So I really just grew up in retail. It was at the kitchen table um, counting cash in the evening. It was just the norm for us. Um, and my whole career has really been in retail. So um, before I started with Fairly, I was working um, on the retail and e-commerce side in Glombia um, on, on the agricultural side of the business. So I guess Fairly was a, a natural extension to stay in retail for me. Um, we set it up last year during lockdown. I guess a lot happened last year. I had a, a roundy birthday. Um, I was sent home from work to work from home like everyone else in the country. And I guess look, it gave me a bit of time and space to think about things and reassess and, and ask what I wanted to do uh, longer term or what my next step would be. And, and out of that, I guess, grew fairly. So it was something, I guess, that had been in the back of our minds that we wanted to do for a long time. And like lots of things, you're comfortable in life. I had a nice, comfortable job that I enjoyed. So it's kind of hard to make that jump. And I guess lockdown um, and being home for lockdown gave us the space to explore it. So since then, we've set up Fairly. Fairly is an online destination for sustainable products. So we sell anything from personal care to skincare to homewares. And as much as possible, we stock products from Irish brands, preferably small Irish makers. We have a lot of those um, and we've grown it now to over 1200 products um, everything is sustainable by design, eco-friendly. We like products that are beautiful, that are well-made and that have a nice story behind them. And so far, Fairly has been going great for us. So yeah, we're, we're busy, we're tired, but we're happy. That's amazing. And just to reiterate something you said there, I know Fairly only just celebrated your first, but like a year. The brand is a year old. The site is a year old. You have come so far so do you think the knowledge you've obviously you've had from growing up with a shop literally in the family to all the work you've done in marketing and e-com over the years that certainly must have given you that push to get going so quickly 
Yes, look, it, it undoubtedly did. It certainly helps. Um, I guess I had a fair idea of what, what needed to be done. That doesn't do it, I guess, either. Um, so, you know, if anyone's thinking of setting up a business, it is a lot of work. We all know that. Um, but it's very fulfilling. So I, I had a pretty clear idea what I wanted to do with Fairly Work. work. I, I think depending on when you ask me in the day, some days I'm very happy with where we're going. Other days I feel like it's not moving fast enough and I'm impatient. Um, and, you know, some days you're you're everything. You're you're the IT department, the HR department, the accounts department, you're everything. So um, that can take its toll sometimes and, and life can get a little bit tired. But when I look back, I was actually doing it um, today, earlier today, because it is our first birthday. Um, we're up for two awards over the next month. So we're up for new online retailer of the, war, of the year in the Retail Excellence Awards, which we're obviously really happy about. And we're also up for um, the new online packaging award in the, in the Repack Pac-Man Awards. So yeah, when, when I sit back and look at it, I'm really proud of what we've done. Um, it's been a whirlwind, um, but we've lots that we still want to do as well. It, do you know what? And you've preempted my next kind of question there because like I'm amazed by what you've achieved. Those two awards, very different yet similar. So one being the online retailer award with, you know, the AIB Merchant Services Retail Excellence, deep breath, new online retailer <laughs> of the year award. You're a finalist in that, which in itself competition is amazing and I don't mean that in a scary way but you're up there playing with the big boys now like it's it's a phenomenal achievement to have that so quickly that's the one side which is the e-com but that other award is fascinating as well because it really to me speaks about your core values the sustainability message that you seem really really genuinely interested in this area yes look, we are that's why we did it I guess I had probably reached a bit of a, um, a crossroads in my career. Like I, I have been in retail all my working life. I, I love retail. I enjoy retail. But yet I was fine. I was becoming increasingly, I was finding it increasingly hard to reconcile that with like kind of rampant consumerism. So you would see just unnecessary consumerism. And I, and I said, look, am, am I part of a problem here? And do I want to be part of a problem? But at the same time, do I want to throw away my career and do something totally different? Because I, I enjoy retail. Like I always felt it was something I was very passionate about. So I guess fairly allowed us to bring the two together. So we do feel really strongly about it. I feel, you know, and I have been guilty of this a hundred times in the past. A lot of times we do sustainability for PR purposes. Yeah. You know, we do it to look good. We do it to tick off that box. We know it's important. We need to do sustainability. And, and, and it, it, it becomes diluted sometimes. I think like there's pros and cons to it. I suppose it brings everybody along and we all start at different points. For me, we wanted to have a sustainable business that was sustainable by design. So we do that in lots of different ways, like one by being small, like we have an ambition to stay small or relatively small. And um, we don't have an ambition necessarily to get bigger than we need to get. We want to we want to create a sustainable business for ourselves. But to do that, you have to be successful as well. And um, you have to be profitable. Otherwise, you know, you'll have a sustainable business that fizzles out after a period of time. So we need to marry the two. You can't you can't have a business without consuming resources. So we wanted to do it in a sustainable way as, as we could. Um, we wanted it to be genuine, but also reflect what we can do today. So we can't do everything perfectly today. So like our shipping, um, for example, like our packaging that, we, that we're up to win the award for hopefully, um, you know, we don't have the resources of a big company. We don't have a lot of customized packaging. We're using for the most part stock packaging, but it doesn't mean we can't make sure that we're 
almost, I would say 99% um, recyclable, compostable, biodegradable. We still have a, a thermally printed shipping label that's a bit of a bugbear, um, but it's something that we're working on. So like, we're not looking for absolute perfection, but we do want to do it in a genuine way and a meaningful way. And I think that's really honest of you as well. I fully agree with what you said that there are so many retailers, makers that say they're sustainable, that, that really kind of bang the drum. But when it comes down to it, they're using plastic tape on their boxes or they haven't quite thought it all the way through because they don't genuinely believe in it. It's not a core mm -hmm. value. And as you say, they're doing it because it's the right thing to do right now. It's quite trendy. But from what you're saying, you're living this movement. It is a movement. It's not going away. It's going to get stronger. And your honesty there about doing the best that you can do today must be speaking volumes to your customers. Yeah, look, our, our customers love it. We're really lucky. I suppose what we're doing attracts customers maybe that are like-minded. So I think we're very lucky in that way that um, every single one of our customers like are lovely. They leave us lovely reviews. They love our packaging. They appreciate it. They appreciate the... I think one of our reviews has said that they can feel the heart we put into our packaging, which is a little bit romantic, but like it's true. Um, we, want, we want people to have a lovely experience when they open our boxes. So we don't want it to be, we, we, from the beginning, we didn't want to be the type of eco-friendly that is grim, I suppose, yeah. for want of a better word. Um, we wanted to be colorful and positive and happy. And like, I think we all have a different role to play. Um, we're in a climate emergency. We, we feel very strongly about that, but we don't feel it's our role to necessarily bang that drum all of the time. We don't want to overwhelm like climate anxiety is also a big thing. We don't want to overwhelm our customers with negative messaging. That's not to say we brush it away. And um, we do think it's important, but we feel that our space is to help people see how things can be done, small steps, positivity that way. And to for other businesses as well, you mentioned businesses there that don't really believe it. There's one, I won't mention who, but like a big, a very big national brand. I ordered some products from they came in two separate deliveries one was a tiny product in a giant box filled with inflatable plastic packaging to fill up the space so they're sending a box of empty air with unnecessary plastic for something that could have fit in an envelope and then the other part of the delivery did come in an envelope in a fluorescent almost um iridescent plastic bubble wrap envelope like none of that was necessary for for not increasing their cost they could have sent all that to me in eco-friendly packaging I would have had a more positive experience. Customers are demanding this. Customers have, I would say, very refined bullshit detectors at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're if you're doing it superficial, you might get away with it today. You're not going to get away with it long term. No, yeah. and I think I think you're dead right. I think COVID's taught us one thing. It's just like, you know, do what you say you'll do. Don't just talk the talk. We're all tired of that now. And as you say, I think as consumers, we're seeing through it. But also research is telling us that the consumer will pay more for sustainable products products that are quality driven that are locally made or at least kind of country-wide made that they feel better by buying this way do you agree with that I do like I think I'm, I'm a big believer in gray areas you know and I don't think there's one right and one wrong so like I don't believe that you can't buy from certain retailers that you should only buy within Ireland but at the same time I do think we can take out a lot of unnecessary um, trips, if nothing else. So if our view when we're, when we're arranging for our own store here is if we can find that product in Ireland, you know, in a good enough quality, in a product that we like, 
well, then why would we order the same thing or virtually the same thing from abroad? You know, and there might be, you know, small differences in the price or whatever. You know, we would always lean towards the Irish supplier. But that doesn't mean we don't stock products from outside of Ireland. You know, it's very hard to find products made out of coconut fiber, for example, that are made in Ireland. So some products just lend themselves to be made in other countries. They create employment there. They're not necessarily bad, but I think we shouldn't be doing it thoughtlessly. You know, if if we can buy a product, like I would have been very guilty in my past of buying products that ended up going to the charity shop not that much long later. So go, bringing products to a charity shop is a good thing. You know, you're giving it another life. But if you're buying something and you're trivializing that purchase and it ends up in a charity shop versus buying a better quality product or a product that you like better. Like I don't always do it, but I try to, if I see something in a shop that I want to buy or online, is to sit on that want for a little while. So maybe sit on it for a couple of weeks and then see if I still want it. And sometimes the desire, the need kind of evaporates. I think I, I had a impulse purchase um, ability from being a child that took a while into adulthood to, to throw off. My, my husband would say I haven't fully thrown it off, but um, <laughs> I think if we buy less but buy better, it's not about not buying at all. That's, on the one hand, I think that's quite alarming for retailers to hear, but actually it sounds like it's a better long-term plan. Like if you're going to go to a retailer or a product maker and buy their product because you truly believe in it, because you really want it, yeah, you might pay a little bit more, but the quality is going to be superb. It's probably a better idea for the consumer in the long term even if in the short term it might save them spending a bit therefore the retailer doesn't actually get that spend but it sounds like a better long-term plan I think so look I think without being overly alarmist or dramatic about it if you're buying something that's too good a deal to be true somebody is suffering and it might not be you so like you know all these things that happened over the years where terrible atrocities were happening out of sight, out of mind. Well, you know, that's happening today. You know, there's people working in, whether it's a, a garment factory or a factory of, of another type, but they're working on, in some cases, under terrible conditions to get you that two euro t-shirt. So if a price is too good to be true, um, somebody is missing out. And I think consumers are less able to put that out of their mind now. I think people are more and more realizing that, you know, somebody in the chain is being screwed over here. And I don't necessarily want to be part of that. So if you can connect your purchase to a real person, um, before we started the call today, we were talking to a previous guest of yours, Elaine from Hawthorne Handmade Skincare. But if you know Elaine's story, you know where that product is being made. You know it's being made in Mayo. You know it's being made by Elaine. You know that story. You're taking some of the anonymity out of it. So I think more considered um, purchases is what we need from people. I love that. And actually, as you say, if you know you're buying from the person you know, as you say, whether it's here or abroad, because the story you tell there of the employment, even if it's abroad, with people using sustainable products, sustainable packaging, making in a real handmade, hand-touched way, is probably the most important story for the future of retail and the future of sustainability within the industry. What are the kind of trends, I suppose, do you see? I call sustainability a trend there, but obviously movements, trends, what do you see coming up in the future? For retail? Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, online, um, I suppose I, I, any of the trends that we're seeing are really pre-existing tr trends, but some of them have been so accelerated by uh, COVID and lockdowns and everything else. And online retailing is the big one. You know, we're, I see it here. We live in a little estate here in, in Kilcullen. Um, it's an old estate. A lot of our neighbours are elderly. 
Um, and we see the online grocery shopping, which was never a thing here, but out of out of COVID, and it's it's it fills a perfect need for an older person living on their own to have their shopping delivered straight to them. So people who were never in the online market, never customers of e-commerce, were forced into it, uh, really, or somebody else doing it for them through COVID. And people are shopping online like never before. So I don't think that's necessarily a new trend, but it is an accelerated trend. And I don't think that's going anywhere. I think if anything, we're going to see more and more online shopping. The other trend for me, um, which I love, um, is experiential retailing. And that's certainly going nowhere. And I actually think Ireland punches above its weight there compared to other um, countries around the world. Like for such a small country, and I think we forget this sometimes, maybe when you go on holiday and, and you're in kind of shops that don't have the experiences that you have here, like here where you're, you have shops where you can watch um, butchery in action, you know, where you can sit and enjoy food and drink in a retail experience. There's stores in Ireland, I think, are just phenomenal in what they're doing today. And I think that's a really positive trend because I think retail is a good thing. I think it's social. Obviously, I'm pro online retail because that's the business that I'm in. But I also think physical retail is really important. Like if we pull physical retail out of the hearts of towns, we kind of pull the heart out. So for me, I think we need more retail in town centres. I think we need more um, people living in town centres so that you have that lifestyle around retail. Um, I think it's good. And I, I love one thing I've really loved during COVID is the outdoor dining. Um, that has come out of nowhere. You know, the cafe culture that we've talked about other countries having and Ireland never having it and we couldn't have it because we blame, you know, the it's weather. a lovely little country if only we roofed it. And, you know, we did roof it really. Um, every town, every like here in Cullen, there's outdoor dining, there's outdoor drinking. It's it's been phenomenal. We went out to a restaurant recently. And we chose to sit outside, uh, even though we didn't need it anymore, because they've created such an atmospheric area. It's lovely. So I think those trends are positive. And I, sustainability, of course, has to be mentioned. That's people and retailers in particular are getting real about that now. And I think that's a really positive thing. That's fantastic. And actually, it's really lovely to hear someone who owns an online store talking about the importance of experiential retail. It's something I work on an awful lot within the industry and certainly with clients. And you're dead right. It's really nice when someone says well done to the Irish retailers that are out there that are holding really strong right now that have had a, a tough 18 months, but they really are pulling it out of the bag. As you say, there's such gorgeous ways to engage with the customer when you go into stores or as you say, even the eating experiences. So many of our restaurants, our cafes, our bakeries now have gorgeous kind of retail sections in them where you buy the best of mm -hmm. Irish kind of food and products or the best of the international market with beautiful oils. It's really lovely to see, but I suppose physical retail is one thing. I, I'd ask the cheeky question, do you ever consider it? But I'd say I probably know what the answer is going to be there. For a physical store? Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't rule it out. It's not It's not in the plans at the moment, but I, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. Um, we sell a lot of products that really lend themselves to being seen and smelled and touched mm. um, and sampled. So. You know, luckily, um, websites are so advanced now. We can have such good photography. We can have such good descriptions. We can we can get through that a lot. But I do think there is some products that really lend themselves to be experienced face to face before you buy them. So I wouldn't rule it out. But it's not something we're currently working on. We'll watch this space. But yeah, absolutely, the whole touch and feel and smell and just experience the atmosphere would be fantastic. But you mentioned your online store there. 
it is fantastic. And to be really blunt, an awful lot of businesses jumped online last year for the very first time. They got funding from Enterprise Island or from their local enterprise office and they threw, and I literally mean threw websites together to try and get hold of the consumer and obviously generate revenue. They're not all great. So if you had tips or ideas on how you should be using your online retail presence, especially as you say, for an experiential way, and there's certainly ways of marrying the two, what are your tips out there for, for retailers that have these e-commerce websites that are purely dull and functional right now, quite frankly? Sure, yeah, and I've seen a lot of those websites. Like I think it's not all bad in a way, like be being online in some way is better than not being online at all. And you can always you can always improve things. I guess one thing I'd say is it's it's exciting time um, to go online. Um, not everyone is online yet. Not everyone is online in the way that they want to be yet. It might not be delivering for their business as they want it to be yet, but it is an exciting time. There's loads of opportunity. The other thing I'd say that's a real positive is that the the platforms, the software as a service platforms that we have now are a massive equalizer. You know, I've spent the last 10 years working in a very large corporate environment um, where we had huge resources. We had huge internal resources and we had very big, very expensive enterprise level systems. And they do a great job, but they're really expensive and they're out of reach for most small mm -hmm. businesses. But really the advantages of those that I see them are, are flipping because they have they have huge, they come with huge legacy costs, with huge maintenance costs. They need a huge, very qualified um, team behind them um, to do very specific jobs. Whereas now retailers can use platforms like Shopify, for example, that's the platform we use, which are real equalizers. You can get functionality that costs hundreds of thousands of euro just a couple of years ago, and you can get it for a subscription. You can add an app. Um, you have to be careful adding apps, but you can add apps that have super functionality. And you can get yourself to a standard of some of the biggest retailers um, and it's possible to do. So the advice that I would give, and I've actually been giving this advice to some friends and family recently who are in that boat, who have money to spend um, and they're rushing projects because the timeline mm -hmm. for the EI grant in particular has been so short. Um, and what I would say to them is there's two things I say to them. One is you have to think of it like a store. It's very yeah. easy to say, look, I'm just going to turn on an online store and sales are going to roll in and it's going to be great. But it's just like a store. You wouldn't open a store. If you were opening this new store in Cork City tomorrow, you wouldn't just open the door and have no staff in it. You know, you would have a you would have a project to get you open and stocked. You would have shop fitters, you would have um, staff, you would train those staff and you'd have a manager when you open and you'd have a team of people. So I'm not saying every retail, every small retailer in particular has to open with a e-commerce manager like that. That might not be achievable either, but you do have to resource it. It takes time. The other thing I would say is on, on products and catalogs, I would say the most important thing is your product information. You know, if you've got bad product information, you will have a bad website. If you've got bad imagery, you no matter how expensive a website you have, once it pulls in bad imagery, the experience that a user will have on that will be below par. So I would always say put the effort into getting your images right getting your descriptions right because they have so many knock-on effects for you whether it's the customer experience when they're browsing or the s search engine optimization value of having that, that imagery and descriptions properly um, prepared properly named all the rest so i would put the energy in there it's going to take you 
I remember seeing a very good presentation from um, Martin uh, McElhenney from McElhenney's.com at the time. And it was about, I can't remember exactly now, so I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, whatever it's going to, whatever much time you think it's going to take, it's going to take you three times longer. And however much you think it's going to cost, it will be three times more expensive. I would say time might be 10 times longer personally, um, but it's worth doing. And I would say you'll rarely go back. So do it right the first time around because you'll have great intentions. If you throw up a product quickly, on your website, great intentions to go back and fix it later. That day almost never comes. We're all so busy. So get it right the first time would be my advice um, and utilize all the great advice that's out there. You know, there's so many, there's so many things I learned now. Like I think the last year for me has been like doing a master's in, in e-commerce more so really than obviously I came to it with a lot of experience in e-commerce, but I'm on YouTube every day learning how to do something. Um, and those resources are out there. They're generally free. So I, I would take full advantage of them. Really, really good advice. And I echo that. I think people that think a website will look after itself and sure, I'll do 10 minutes a week. It's nonsense. It really is like running a second shop. And as you say, and again, I would echo the fact there are so many free resources out there and support from people like yourself who who have been there, who have done it, who have done it to a really high standard. And I think it's businesses like yours that actually we should be following. It's a super website. It's extremely user-friendly. And yeah, the product categories are fantastic. And you can tell there's a real thread. The ethos and the brand values are all clearly there for the user to, as you say, almost see it like a store. It's all kind of come together in a really beautiful way on your website. So to finish off though, what is coming up for you and the brand and dare we mention the C word over the next few months? <laughs> um, well, yes, we've had to be really prepared for Christmas this year. Um, not as prepared as I would like, but it's honest. We're selling, we're yeah. selling Christmas orders already. Um, so I guess for us, the big one is getting through the next few weeks. Um, I think it's 60 something days to Christmas now. So it's going to be honest in no time. Um, so it's really getting through the next few weeks, getting through, say, the kind of peak areas. We've got our birthday celebrations, which are happening this week, which we hope will be busy for us. We've got Green Friday coming up. Uh, we, for obvious reasons, we're not fans of Black Friday. Yeah. Um, but Green Friday and Champion Green, we think that's great. Anything they do, we get behind it. I think it's a phenomenal, um, a phenomenal campaign. Absolutely. And then Christmas uh, will be big for us. We're doing a lot of corporate gifting for Christmas as well. And that's been a a kind of unexpectedly big part of our business, which um, we've been doing a lot of. So we're hoping we're going to be very busy between now and Christmas. Um, we have new um, products that we're adding um, that takes time to be getting those up. So I think from, from now to Christmas for us is keep the ship afloat and keep the orders going out. We don't want like our standards are high and we aim for five star reviews all day, every day, and we've got them so far. So coming into a busy time that could be threatened. So for us, it's going to be keeping the head down and getting through it, but getting through it while keeping our standards up, I guess. That's fantastic to hear. Oh, James, this has been a wonderful conversation full of nuggets. I think that so many people can, can take from and then implement or reach out to people and, and do more, whether it's with sustainability, whether it's with their online presence. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please like, share and subscribe to the Retail Tea Break. Leave us a comment. I'd love to hear, have you bought from Fairly? What's your favorite product on the site? I certainly have a few. Um, but until next time, thank you. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really enjoyed that. Thanks, James.